Welcome to another episode of B2B Nation, the official technology advice podcast for sales and marketing professionals. I'm your host, Chris Kleinfelter, and I recently had the opportunity to speak with sales consultant Mary Lou Tyler. We talked about sales consisting of three buckets. The first bucket is marketing or inbound leads. These leads tend to have a higher volume but lower overall value. The second type is referral leads. These leads come from clients, friends, or family and have a higher value, but at a lower volume. The volume of these leads are harder to predict. The third type is outbound leads. These leads are targeted accounts and specific people at those accounts that sales teams are looking to establish communication with. According to Mary Lou, these leads have higher revenue potential with a moderately high likelihood of closing. We also discussed how to have more successful cold calling efforts and ways to start conversations with people you don't know. All in all, this is a really good interview. I really enjoyed talking with Mary Lou. She definitely had some some very interesting things to say about how to uh, be more effective with your cold calling efforts and just how to prospect better. And without further ado, here's my interview with Mary Lou. Enjoy. Welcome to the B2B Nation, Mary Lou. Thanks for talking with me today. Well, thank you for having me as a guest. Very nice to be here. Absolutely. We're, we're really glad you're here, and I'm, I'm very excited to talk about uh, just some frustrations teams have in lead gen and, and what to do about that, and uh, I think our listeners will get a lot of value out of that. But first, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you're helping sales teams succeed. Okay. I've been working in lead generation uh, for going on 30 years now, so it was pre-internet, pre-cell phone. I specialized in direct response and uh, call centers, so we did a lot of direct mail and a lot of phone work, and I ended up uh, running a 250-seat call center where all we did was lead generation, generating appointments, meetings on an at-risk basis. I then transitioned when the Internet started up into looking at how we can blend in the phone, direct mail, and also leveraging the internet. So I started working on email engines, figuring out how to put those together. And I hooked up with a gentleman by the name of Aaron Ross in 2006, I think it was. He had worked on an email-only framework for a little company at the time called Salesforce.com and ended up generating a $100 million revenue stream for them in a very short period of time using this process. So in 2011, we wrote a book called Predictable Revenue, and that has been hailed as one of the best lead gen uh, frameworks for people who are trying to build net new business. Mm -hmm. And then I came out in August with a sequel to that called Predictable Prospecting, and that one was published by McGraw-Hill. Awesome. So it looks like you've been through really the evolution of sales and uh, with the internet coming uh, and email becoming big factors in that and, and have written about it. Well, thanks again for, for being with us today. Uh, I want to get started here. Uh, you said once that, probably much more than once, but from what I've heard, that all leads are not created equally. So so let's talk about you know the way they're processed and treated and, and how they're different. And uh, also, if you could dig into the different types of predictability and revenue potential with different types of leads, that would be great too. Mm-hmm. Sure. I kind of lump things into three big buckets. You know, there's always going to be uh, situations where a lead is treated differently depending on your industry, the vertical you're working in, the prospects you're selling to. But for the most part, there are three groups that I like to consider as lead gen groups of leads. The first is the casting the wide net, which is typically a marketing function where we're 
we're sending demand gen outbound to people from a list or in a mass way, and then hoping that people will come back to us via a sign-on on the web form or they call inbound to an 800 or 888 number. So those leads we call marketing leads or inbound leads. The second group is referral leads, and these are leads that are the coveted leads from our clients, prospects, colleagues, friends, family, when they refer business to us and people to us, which comes with a very high value. The last type of lead is the lead I really specialize in, which is the outbound outreach lead. And those leads consist of targeted accounts, people, whatever it is that we're, you know, looking to establish communication with. And those accounts or people are, are typically high revenue potential with high likelihood of closing. Now, in terms of what you asked me about the value of each, typically the marketing leads, the inbound leads are high volume, low value because we're getting the minnows and the whales in that particular stream. The referral leads are typically high value, low volume, because we're not able to get that much in terms of referral, and it's not a predictable engine either. Neither is really the inbound side until we get to volume, which typically is 400 inbound leads a month is a pretty good deal for one person to work. Then on the outreach side, that's definitely high value, and it could be high volume as long as you're blending in your, your sales conversation so that it's respectful in nature. So of the three, the predictable engine is really the outreach because you're targeting who you want to talk to, how you want to talk to them, when you want to talk to them, and with what sales message. So speaking of that outbound outreach type of lead, um, I think there's probably some frustration in lead generation with talking with people that you don't really know. So with referral leads, you probably know the person, and uh, with you know, the, the marketing leads or the inbound leads, uh, you know, there's different ways that you're generating those that may not involve calling someone you don't know. But for when you do have to start a conversation with someone you don't know, uh, I know you've talked about, you know, six levels of awareness that buyers mm -hmm. have. Could you walk us through those and maybe what messaging looks like for each of those levels? Yeah, sure. Um, the way that we approach the outbound channel is that we're making the assumption that a person's going to be in one of six levels of awareness of our product or service. The first and lowest level is being completely unaware. Now, this happens a lot in disruptive uh, companies where they're selling products that are new or different uses for products that their buyers hadn't really thought about. So anything of a disruptive nature is considered that unaware level. And the next level up from that is that they're problem aware, which if we look at you know, hunger, you know, if I'm problem aware, I can feel my stomach rumbling, but I'm not really sure what it is. Just I know there's a pro I know I'm there's something going on. The next level up from that is solution aware, meaning I know I'm hungry and and now that I'm know that I'm hungry, I'm looking for some way to solve that hunger. That's solution awareness. The next level up from that is that you're aware of a vendor, someone that can solve your problem and you know they have a solution for your problem. So back to the hunger thing, that would mean I go to the fridge and I see a great piece of chocolate cake in there and I know that that's going to solve my hunger. Up from that is that they're actually interested, so they did a search, and this is typically where inbound comes in. They actually engaged by doing a search. They clicked on a pay-per-click. Something happened that 
got them interested in what they saw, so they made an inquiry into our organization. And then the last level is that you're on the short list, they're evaluating you, you're moving further into the pipeline. So, you know, with outreach, we don't really know where people are in those levels. So we have to really think of the psychology of if you're in these different states, how you're going to consume content and what kind of content would trigger you to actually kind of lean into the computer and read something or download a case study or sit and listen to an endorsement. So what we've done is we've mapped, and there's a, there's a map in the new book, Predictable Prospecting, mapping content assets to the different stages of awareness as, as well as telling you the content duration, the length of the content, in order to start measuring where people are relative to their level of awareness and then breadcrumb feeding them inside the content asset so that you can determine how far in they are by what content asset they're consuming. So uh, in terms of measuring content assets, is that where you're sending them, you know, content that's online somewhere and you're able to measure through like heat maps to see how far people get in content or, or what, what goes into mapping? Uh, basically to your point, you're, you're trying to figure out where they are. How, how do you tell? Mm-hmm. From a very low level way, we look at open rates and mm-hmm. I know open rates are all over the map, but it gives us some gist mm-hmm. that their eyeballs moved from, the subject line, if we're doing an email, for example, into the body of the email. And then from there, if they click through, that's another measure or metric that we use. If they click through to a piece of content, let's say they're, they're, we sent an unaware type email, and we basically ask them to click through to a, a very short piece that's less than 20 seconds to consume. But at the end of that piece, we ask, we say, if, if they're interested in learning more about this topic, then click here. And then to click here, we're mapping them going to either an awareness level, one of those three I talked about, the problem, solution, or vendor, or maybe an interested piece of documentation. So we can kind of watch them through the click-through process from a very rudimentary level, at least clicking through to content. If we have the technology that allows us to do that heat mapping and see how far in they get and how long they're engaging, so much the better. But we can get a lot of information just by the navigation piece, navigating to content, clicking through to more beefier content that's maybe 20 seconds to 3 minutes to 20 minutes to 60 minutes. Then we know where they are relative to engagement, at least a, a good idea. Mm-hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, you know, this this brings up a, a question for me that shifts, shifts gears here a little bit for us, but I definitely want to dig into it with you, and that's the notion of uh, cold emails and cold calling prospecting. Uh, I know mm-hmm. uh, that you certainly um, are of the belief that it's not dead at all, and that if you are you know prospecting and doing outreach correctly, your prospects will may even end up thanking you because <laughs> you know you're the solution they needed, or you're able to to inform them of a solution that they weren't aware of. And and to me, I guess maybe some of our listeners, I'm guessing are too, I'd love to hear your take on this because I think uh, there's a lot of marketers that are more on the jaded side where, you know, that's a neat perspective, but it, it seems untrue. It's, 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 I think it's almost, you know, everyone would say that 
and not, maybe not everyone, but but it seems like maybe that's romanticizing the reality of prospecti- prospecting a little bit. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of salespeople who uh, would say that people are getting annoyed with their their cold emails and calls, and and maybe they're reaching the wrong people uh, or or the prospects. Maybe they don't want to be approached by sales teams, especially in that way. Um, I talked to just a sales guy recently, and he uh, he just felt like. Uh, his calls were the, the worst part of a prospect's day. And so I know there's probably a different way to go about doing it to, to change that outcome. And, and I think that's what we'll dig into now. So, so my question for you is how can sales, you know, prospect more effectively? How can they, uh, you know, reach cold prospects who actually want to be reached? Are there signals or signifiers to show that? Or, or what can people do about this? Well, that's a very good question. I know people's eyes are rolling when I say that prospects actually <laughs> thank you. But I I come from experience. I've had that happen to me more often than not. And to your point, what it is is we have to internalize this notion of sales is a one-to-one communication. So our emails really are one-to-one. Now, we may leverage technology and, and in the book, we talk about three levels of personalization of emails. So there is a point in the pipeline, if you chunk it down, like think of yourselves on a freeway and there are mile markers. There's this mile marker that's cold, and those people are in a list of records, a largish kind of list. So we're going to leverage technology by utilizing data elements that allow us to have a conversation that's meaningful with them, but we don't personalize necessarily everything about them. So it's not a one-to-one conversation. In those emails, though, we we leverage the copywriting principles of problem, solution, a little bit of a cliffhanger to the next email, which talks about another problem, gives a solution. So we are essentially telling them a story from the ultimate problem to the ultimate outcome in the emails. And we're not necessarily demanding we have their time. We're just asking them to consider if this is something that is resonating with them, here's a piece of content that may help them solve that problem. So we're warming up that chill in the cold area. Then if we move that account for whatever reason, because they did show some level of interest Mm -hmm. to what we call a working status, Those records now do require, in my opinion, a higher level of personalization Mm -hmm. so that they know that we have done uh, work to understand what their initiatives are, what types of information they like to consume, how they like to consume it, where they like to consume it. So this persona development becomes very important for the outbound channel in order to get a really deep understanding as if you're sitting across the tables from your prospect and having a conversation. Those are the emails. That's how they're written. So when I see emails come through to me and it says, Dear, hi, Mary Lou, your title as, and my LinkedIn title, which is gigantic, gets embedded in the email, it's just that's so disrespectful in my opinion because they took zero time to really know about me and – or cleanse their data. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You have to be able to leverage technology where it makes sense. And if you're working with a lot of records, you can't possibly personalize everything. But as they move and march down that freeway from an unaware to more of an aware and and working status, 
then you start personalizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems to stress for me. Uh, I know a common topic is sales and marketing alignment, and it sounds like uh, based on that strategy, it seems more important than ever to really get that figured out because they really should. One should lead to the other, so sales teams are are getting some of these uh, leads that are at least a little bit warmed up based on the email campaigns you're running. Uh, thank you for, for laying that out because it, it is a problem that um, I think a lot of teams struggle with a lot where they just get this cold data and they're not able to really do anything with it. So um, yeah, so a follow-up question to that because uh, you sort of mentioned it here is uh, you know, using tools to to help with some of these email campaigns to find out which leads mm -hmm. might be warm, and then have a personalized touch with your sales team. So, so with it seems to me just the past five years, there's been an exponential growth in the amount of tools that one could use. Uh, so, so with more tools becoming available, how do you see prospecting evolving in maybe the next five to 10 years? Do you think it will get easier for sales and marketing teams because there's new tools available or there will it get more difficult because, you know, users may get more uh, prone to seeing automated emails and, and just ignore them. And uh, what do you think will happen here? Well, I've, you know, since I've been around the block a long time now, <laughs> it's going on 30 years here, I've seen things ebb and flow. I've mm -hmm. seen, you know, supposedly way back in the 90s when I started, or late 80s, there was an easier way for us to sell. Not so. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. really hard. I sold in large accounts, and I had six clients that are prospects that I was supposed to market into. This, so this whole concept of account-based selling is, makes me laugh because, you know, back then, that's what we did. Right. So it's just it's a different kind of problem. Tools help with some of it. But the if I can give one piece of advice to everyone who's listening today is that you really need to map out your process first, regardless of the tool. So get the function that you're trying to generate, working backwards in the pipeline. Like I always tell my clients, how many opportunities do you need to generate in order to close the business you're trying to close? Now, I work just to the opportunity stage, so I'm top of funnel. So once we get that number, then we work it backwards, and that drives the tools that we'll need, mm -hmm. not the other way around. The biggest issue I see now is that people are just loading on tools, and what they call it is a sales stack. Mm -hmm. And then they're they're spinning their wheels admin and not on the phone or not crafting these beautiful emails. They spend too much time working with the tool. So, you know, I think the future of selling is we're still selling one-to-one, human-to-human. And until the human psychology changes dramatically, we just really need to leverage the tools so that we can have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with respect, with authenticity, and to be of value, and that of value phrase is overused now, but really to get people to understand and you know where they are today, the contrast to where they could be, that you're their guide to take them through the hot coals from where they are today to where they want to be, and then give them the idea of if they don't go this way, this is what could happen, and if they do go this way, this is the nirvana they'll experience, you know, but... Really focus on your person. You're still one-to-one, -one, eyeball to eyeball. Pretend that you're sitting across the table from somebody. That's really where you need to get with this. And you need also to be a colleague of theirs. One of the other issues I see a lot in Outbound is that we forget 
we need to change our persona to the persona we're talking to. Like I have three, a CEO, the director of marketing, director of sales, and then director of sales ops now too. So when I'm talking to a director of sales operations, I am also a director of sales operations. So I'm talking his language. The same thing with the emails, the same thing with our voicemails and with our scripts when we're having conversation. It's going to get more personalized. And tools will help us get there. But don't be lazy and use the tool to mass produce because that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like human psychology will probably stay uh, the same. And so selling one-to-one seems to make sense regardless of the tools. So, uh, yeah, that was beautifully said. Uh, And, you know, interestingly, we've done this show for a long time. And I think that's the first time we've heard anybody say like pr- just really pretend like you're sitting across the table from them as as simple as that sounds that's that's really good advice uh, uh well you know Mary Lee, thank you so much uh for being with us today um i definitely learned a thing or two and uh, i know our, our listeners did as well so as our listeners are are looking to possibly connect with you and learn more about you where can they find you out on the web uh, the easiest place to find me is go to marylootyler.com. That's my website. And if you want, uh, I do publish a lot of information to my subscribers and people who want to learn more about outreach and outbound programs. So you can you know, sign up there. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, too. So it's Mary Lou Tyler on LinkedIn. I just recently did a blog post there on the seven healthy phone habits that have people have been just like, crazy over nice and i've added some training materials to that blog post so if you hop over there look for that post for me Uh, i did a video training and there's some downloads worksheets the favorite questions i have to ask on the phone things like that for those first meetings that your audience may find helpful awesome yeah so listeners if you uh, want any sales training uh certainly check out mary lou tyler's website and uh, mary lou thanks again for joining us today and and thanks to our listeners for following along as always this episode was recorded at the technology advice podcast studio in nashville tennessee to listen to more episodes of b2b nation check us out on soundcloud or itunes and to learn more about the show you can find us on twitter at technology underscore adv or online at technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.